Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time that we can come and study together. Thank you, Lord, that we can, we can take this time to open your word. Thank you for watching over us in this past week. And we just pray that as we open this new series together, as we study the, the parables that are found in the scriptures, that you would please speak to our hearts, Lord. Lead and guide us, O Father, with your Holy Spirit. And help us to understand the words that we're about to look at. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the first parable that we'll be looking at this evening is found in Matthew 13. It is the parable of the four grounds. So let's go there, shall we? Matthew chapter 13, and we're starting in verse 3. I'm going to read all the way to verse 9. Matthew 13, verse 3. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places, where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground, and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear? Let him here. So this is the first parable that we'll be looking at this evening. And this is a probably a, one of the more common parables. It's a long parable, but it is certainly a very important parable for us to study here this evening. And the disciples, you know, after Jesus, the, the, he, he shares this parable, they come to ask Jesus a question. In Matthew 13, verse 10, the very next verse, the Bible says, And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? And look, this is a very good introduction into the series that we're starting here, the parables of Jesus. Because you see, this is the foundation as to why we must remember why Jesus spake in parables. And he gives this Reason. Let's continue reading from 11 to 15. And he answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Esaias, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their hearts, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Now look, this is quite a lengthy answer, and there's a few reasons as to why Jesus tells us he speaks in parables. But the first reason is to reveal the mysteries 
of the kingdom of heaven. And obviously the disciples, he was speaking to the disciples and he says, to you, you will understand. And so, you know, Jesus used natural um, earth objects or natural lessons that you can find here out in nature or things that occurred naturally to illustrate his teachings about the kingdom of heaven to each and every one of us. And it helps us to understand better these lessons so that we can remember it every time we look upon these object lessons or every time we go there, it's easy for us to be reminded about the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus speaks in parables to help us to better understand his teachings. But there's another reason that he said as well. What was it? He said, those that see, they cannot see. And those that really hear, they cannot hear, neither do they what? Understand. That's what Jesus said in those verses before that we just read. So really, what, it, what, what was it all about? It was to keep the truth from the enemy. So only those that had spiritual discernment could understand. Now, why would Jesus want to keep the truth hidden from some people? I mean, wouldn't it be good for everybody to understand? Well, you see, friends, there are many insincere people that are not seeking for truth. And so God allows only those that are sincere to understand so that it will become apparent who are the true followers of Christ. You see, spiritual things are spiritually discerned. Not everybody can understand these parables. Even though they read it, they understand the, the, the parable itself in terms of what Jesus was referring to. In this case, we're studying about the four grounds. So yeah, we see a person with seed, we see this and we see that. We, we see the different objects, but they might not understand what it means, you see. And so there was, for those that have spiritual discernment, they can understand. But those that don't, they're coming with the wrong motive, the wrong um, desires, then God hides it. He reads our heart. He knows where, what the condition of our hearts are, you see. So those are the two reasons that Jesus gives. And so looking at this four grounds, the parable of the four grounds, let's go back and have a look at it because we read through it. But let's just see what are the things that are common that are running through this parables. Jesus gives the interpretations. So let's start first with the wayside. Matthew 13 and verse 19. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. So this is the wayside, okay? Now let's look at the stony ground. Matthew 13, 20 to 21. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. That's the interpretation, the application that Jesus is giving to us in the stony ground. Now, the thorny ground, the third ground. Matthew 13, verse 22. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. And then lastly, verse 23. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it 
which also beareth fruit, and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Now look, I know that I've gone through these verses of the foregrounds very quickly. We are going to come back and look at them in detail in just a little while. But I wanted to run through that real quick because I wanted to ask you, what is the common thread that we are seeing in every single one of the grounds? What are the common things? Yes, yes, they're all grounds. They all represent us in some way, shape or form, right? But there's one thing that definitely happens to these four grounds that we see all four, no matter whether they're good or bad, is they all receive seed. They all receive what? Seed. Now look, what does the seed represent? There is no different quality of seed. The farmer's going throughout, right? He's just scattering the seed. It's all good seed. The problem is not the seed when it comes to the parable of the four grounds. I want you to remember that. But what does the seed represent? Well, let's go over to Luke chapter 8 and verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the Word of God. The seed is what? The Word of God. And we, we saw that as we were reading through those four grounds, those five verses. One had two verses. But we see that there as well. But the seed represents the Word of God. So when you receive the Word of God, what is happening to these grounds? Every single time it says they hear the Word. They do what? They hear the Word of God. And so this is what is happening. This is the common thing that we see happen to every single one of the grounds. Now, one thing important that we have to understand in this sort of a background is, look, this doesn't represent the whole world. Why? Because where do you hear the Word of God? The seed is people hearing the Word of God. So when I throw the seed out there, yes, it seems to go everywhere, but it's people that are hearing the Word. Now, friends, does the whole world hear the Word of God? Not necessarily. Do you hear the Word of God in the movie theaters? No. Do you hear the Word of God in bars and pubs? No. Do you hear the Word of God in, in shopping centers? No. I mean, unless it's a Christian uh, store, but no, you don't hear the Word of God preached and shared, right? So no, it doesn't represent the whole world. Friends, where do you hear the Word of God? We hear the Word of God where? In church. So the four grounds represent Christians, okay? And these grounds are all different. There's three bad, there's one good. But there's one thing that's happening throughout all four grounds. They all receive the word. So it could be that as you're sitting here this evening, listening to this, this, this message, this teaching, this sharing, you are hearing the word of God, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you are the fourth ground, the good ground. We could be one of the three bad grounds. And friends, you know, what happens when people hear the Word of God? Let's go to another text. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So can we at least assume this? Faith comes by what? Hearing. And all four grounds receive seed. All four grounds are hearing the Word of God. Can we safely assume that to some extent, 
every single one of these grounds are growing in faith. Now look, friends, the Bible is important. Hearing the Word of God is very important. It's the foundation. This is where it all begins. Hearing the Word of God. Before anyone has ever read the Word of God or studied the Word of God or had an in-depth experience with Jesus, they all start with hearing, right? But this parable seems to indicate that that's not all there is to it. The parable shows the differences between the types of Christians who attend church, who apparently are listening to the Word of God, but even though they're all listening to the Bible, there are different results. Romans 10, 17 is the starting point. We should begin there. That's where our faith experience can be planted. That's where the seed can be planted in our hearts. But it's not enough just to hear the Word of God as we already know, because three bad grounds all receive the Word of God, right? So look, let's go into detail and have a look at these four grounds now, starting with that first ground. Let's go to Matthew 13, go back there, and verse 19. This is the interpretation of that first ground, which we call the wayside. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. So what is the problem with this first ground? They hear the word of God, but they don't understand it. Okay? So look, you go to church, you listen to the preacher, you hear the word of God, but you don't understand what it means at all. And look, there are a number of reasons as why people do not understand. First, it could be the fault of the preacher. He is a first-time preacher. He's a first-time teacher. You don't understand what he's saying. You don't understand what he's teaching. And so, look, it could be not the person's fault, but the preacher's fault. You go away from church, more confused than when you first got there. Or you've never heard about this parable, and you leave, and you still don't understand it because the preacher was not a good communicator. All right? So that's the first reason why maybe we don't understand. The second reason could be that, you know, the person goes to church, and while the preacher is preaching, guess what? They fall asleep. And we see this all the time in churches. Every church has somebody there that's always falling asleep. Or, you know, they say, well, I was just resting my eyes, but I was listening. No, they fall asleep. They lose consciousness. They don't understand a thing what the preacher is saying, and they wake up at the closing song. Okay, so they get up, they're conscious again, but if you ask them what the preacher talked about, they know the title, they know the text because it was read before they fell asleep, but they really don't understand the point of the sermon that the preacher was trying to preach. So that could be our personal fault, right? It's, it's not the preacher's fault this time. But let's go to a Bible text here in Matthew chapter 13. This is a scriptural point of view as to why sometimes when the seed is thrown onto the ground, we still don't understand. Let's go to Matthew 13, verses 13 to 15. And this is long, but let's go through it slowly. Therefore speak I unto them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not. Neither do they what? Understand. So this group, they see. They see what the scripture is saying, 
They hear what the preacher is preaching, but they don't understand it. Why? Verse 14, And in then is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which is Isaiah, which saith, By hearing you shall, not he you shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see, and shall not perceive. Why? For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, so they intentionally close their eyes. Why? Lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and what? Should understand with their hearts and should be what? Converted and I should heal them. Friends, do you see there? I just want to go back here. At the very end it says they, they have closed their eyes, right? What is this eyes referring to? It's not literal eyes, friends. It's spiritual eye self, it's spiritual eyesight to help us to understand. But what's the problem? Lest they should be converted. The reason why this group does not understand is because they are not converted. That's why the devil is able to reach into their hearts and rip the word of God out of their hearts as soon as they walk out of church. You see, they are not converted. What does that mean? Many people, they go to church and they listen to sermons and it doesn't help them because they're not converted. What does it mean to be converted? Or I should say, what does it mean to be unconverted, to be not converted? Friends, when the Bible outlines what is sin, when the Bible outlines what is good, and it asks us to change our sinful ways, our wicked ways, like lying or stealing, but we continue to lie. We continue to steal. We don't surrender our life to Jesus and allow Him to change us and help us to overcome all these bad habits. But we know what is right, but we don't do it. We are living in sin. We are unconverted. That's what the Bible means. You see, we cannot be unconverted if we don't know what is right. We are just not knowledgeable. We don't have a knowledge of the truth. You see, but when we already know what is right and we don't do it, then it becomes sin to us and we are in this state of unconverted. You cannot be converted to something when you don't know what to be converted to. Does that make sense? So there is a group of people in church that go to church and the sermon and anything spiritual does not benefit them because they know what is right already, but they're not doing it. That's the first group. Could that be you this evening? Friends, is there, is, is there anything that you know is right, but you're not doing? Is there anything that you know from the Scripture is right, but you're not applying? It may be that you are this first group this evening, but let's continue. Let's continue. The second group, Matthew chapter 13, verses 20 to 21. Those on the stony ground. But he that receives seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. Friends, what is the problem with this second group? It says they have no root in themselves. They have no root and a plant that grows up, you see, they understand the Word of God, they, they walk out with joy, they understand it, they're praising God. But they walk out and what happens? Persecution, 
tribulation arises, trouble comes, temptations come, and it sweeps us away. We don't have root. Trees with shallow roots, they're easy to fall when a typhoon hits or, or a hurricane hits or something, you know, strong or wind blows, right? Or a tree with no roots when the sun shines really hot and they're not able to draw the water from deep beneath. All the surface water is already dried up because of the sun. They wilt away and die as well. So there are different reasons for why it's important to have deep roots. And so this group, they understand the Word of God. They they, they, they walk out with joy in their hearts when they hear the message preached. They understand it. But what's the problem? They don't have a root experience. Friends, what does it mean to have this root experience? Well, let's go to Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. As ye have therefore received Christ, the, Christ Jesus is the Lord, so walk ye in Him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye hath been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Friends, what do we have to have our roots in? We have to be rooted and built up on Jesus Christ. We must be established in the faith. That means we have to mature in the faith. That means we have to have something more than just a surface level experience with Jesus. Friends, when you first start dating, you have a surface level experience with someone, right? But Jesus wants us to progress from that. He wants to get married to us. He wants to have a deeper experience with us. Well, friends, how do we walk by faith? What does that mean? Well, let's go to Romans chapter 10, verse 17. It comes through what? hearing of the Word of God. There's no other way. If we wanted to be rooted in Jesus Christ, we must have a deeper experience with His Word. That's how we discover and learn more about Jesus. We must have deep roots. We must have a deep study in the Word of God. Let's keep going though. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, look at this. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in what? In love. Friends, it means we got to love Jesus. And the only way to love Jesus, whom we don't see, is to study His Word, which tells us about Him. You see, friends, this group, they go to church. They know about Jesus, but they don't have personal experience with Jesus. Do you see that? They don't have personal experience in His Word. They have secondhand information from other people, from the preacher, from the teacher, people that they listen to when they go to church, and that's about it. But throughout the week, they're not walking with Jesus. Throughout the week, they're not doing personal devotions. Throughout the week, they're not opening their Bibles to read and to study. They are just being spoon-fed. They're eating baby food. They're eating secondhand information about the Word of God. They do not have first-hand experience for themselves. They are not deeply rooted in their experience with Jesus Christ. And so when, the, when the, the pressures of life come, it sweeps them away. They're not able to handle it. Their faith is shallow and shaky. And so friends, you know, there are many people that go to church, but they never do their personal devotions. 
They never spend time throughout the week learning about Jesus, having a deeper experience with Him. So friends, could it be that you are one of them this evening? And it's just the reason why you're still in church is because nothing serious has happened to you yet. You know, we have many reasons as to why we leave Jesus. Oh, you know, my loved one passed away. My daughter passed away. My son passed away. My, my father passed away. We, we, I lost my job. You know, I, I'm poor. I, I, I don't have this experience. But, oh, I, I'm, I'm too rich. Got too many toys to play with. Keeps people away, right? But, you know, that, that in a sense is, is the third group that we'll look at in a minute. But, you know, when bad things happen to us, we walk away from Christ. And we have so many excuses and we tell the pastor and, and people that try to comfort us, oh, you don't understand. You know, you've never been in my position. But friends, I don't need to be in your position to know that the reason why you have been swept away is not because of any situation. Look at Job. He lost his 10 children, all his wealth, but yet he was still faithful to God. Why? Because he was rooted in Christ Jesus. He was rooted in His Word. He knew Jesus by personal experience. And many of us, we don't have that personal experience with Jesus, you see. This is the second ground. This is the reason why the Word doesn't take effect when they hear it. Because they just hear it once a week and it's not enough to satisfy and strengthen them throughout the week. They're not feeding on the Word of God daily. But now let's come to the third ground, shall we? Luke chapter 18. It's a different passage to Matthew, but it's the same thing. Same passage in terms of same parable, pardon me. Luke 8, 14. And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. What happens to this group? They are choked. They are what? They are choked to death. The thorns choke out all the good nutrients from them. They give them no sunlight. They are choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this world. And you know, friends, can you see this pattern? Cares, riches, and pleasures. Do you know that when you first come out of school, all you have is cares? I'm going to make a living. I'm going to buy a car. Or I'm going to buy a motorbike. I've got to buy a house, I've got to establish myself, and I just can't have fun. Yeah, I go out to eat, but you know, I, it's just stress, 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 stress. Got to build up my fortune. Second group, riches. After you work so hard, you don't have to worry about paying your, your, your mobile phone bill anymore. You don't have to pay about, worry about paying your electricity. You're not so stressed about these monthly expenses. You're able to cover them, and suddenly you have a little bit more to invest. You have riches. Still a little bit stressful, but you have more than the average person out there who's just surviving, um, you know, hand to mouth every week, every month, not having to, uh, spending all their paycheck, but now you have a little bit extra. You're investing. You're saving. And then, pleasures. All of a sudden, after all your years of hard work, it's all paid off. You have all this extra money you can enjoy life. And you know what, friends, at every stage, people get choked with the cares. Work so hard, no time for church. No time for Jesus. Well, this group is going to church, but they are working so hard 
18, 16 hour days. They have no time to do Bible study, to, to study for themselves. Sure, they not, might not be doing anything wicked, but they have no time for Jesus. They're being choked. Riches. Pursuing after the riches and the glitter of this world and pleasures. Enjoying the world because you have all this excess. Traveling and going here and there and spending your money, having good time and a jolly time going to this hotel and going to that country and flying first class and, you know, you're not doing anything wicked, but you don't have time for Jesus. This group, they're choked. They've set their affections on the world. The glitter of the world has gotten the better of them and they've forgotten why they are a child of the kingdom. Oh, friends, could it be that this evening that all you have in your mind is the pursuit of this world, your career, money, trying to earn and make a living that you forget all about Jesus? Don't have time. Oh, you're not living an immoral life. You're not wicked, living a wicked life. You're not stealing and cheating and lying. You're just neglectful. You're choked. But friends, let's finally have a look at the good ground, shall we? Luke chapter 8 and verse 15, and there's good reason why I come here and not staying in Matthew. But that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. This ground is opposite to all the other grounds. It's a good ground after all. It brings forth fruit. But you see, what is the main characteristic in this ground as to why it brings forth fruit? Why it's able to produce and grow to full maturity, right? So that's a good ground, right? Why? What is the reason? Did you see it? Did you see it right here in Luke 8, 15? What is it that the Bible says? This ground, it says, having heard the word, they do what? They keep it. And you know, I, I want you to re-look at this differently as to how we normally interpret this. You know, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. I want you to apply. And that's the typical understanding that we have of this fourth ground. You heard it? Keep it. That's it. You, you know about the Ten Commandments? Keep the Ten Commandments. You know about the health laws? Keep the, ten law, uh, the health laws, pardon me. I want you to apply that which you learn. But you know, this is not... It. Maybe it's partly it, but how I like to interpret it is they keep it, they hold on to it, they don't lose it, they treasure it. It's like when you buy a really nice watch or a really nice object like your phone, you, you keep it, you, you, you take care of it, you know where it is at all times. You make sure that you hold on to it and you don't lose it. It's prized above everything else. It is valuable to you. It is important to you. And so God says, if you hear the word of God, make sure you hold on to it. Make sure you don't forget it. Make sure you don't lose it. 
And we find it in other parts of Scripture. In Psalms 119 verse 11, look at what the Bible says. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against you. The, 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 the word of God is hidden in their hearts. They are keeping it there. They're making sure they don't lose it. They're hiding it there from everyone else. This is their first priority. If we would make the Word of God our number one priority, if we would make the Word of God the most precious jewel above all else, it will change us completely. Yes, it will change our priorities. Yes, it will change our life. It will change everything about us if we would just hold on and not forget the Word of God. Let's go to another text. 1 John 3, 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Why? For his seed, remember what the seed is, friends? It's the word of God. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. You see, friends, the seed remains. It does not just disappear after you walk out of church. And the only way for the seed to remain is because you are spending time in it on a consistent basis. The only way to remember the Word of God and keep it there is so that either you're memorizing the Bible, but in order to memorize the Bible, you have to spend so much time in it and with it, right? So the way to keep it there, to remember it, is constant exercise of it, which means constant reading of His Word, constant walking with Jesus, Constantly, we are spending time in His Word, learning about the Word of God, understanding what the Word of God is to us, remembering the lessons that we learned from, from, from the weekend when we went to church and going throughout the week to make sure we hold on. Here's another text. Psalms 1 verse 2, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he doth meditate. How often? Day and night. Friends, the blessed man, he meditates on the law. The blessed woman, she meditates on the law. How often? Day and night. It is the constant theme of their meditation. No, they're not reading the Bible non-stop, but they're thinking about it non-stop. It's in their minds throughout the day. Even when they go to work, the Word of God is there before them. And yes, some of us, the only way to change us is when you go to work and you work in front of a monitor or, or, or a screen, put the Word of God, stick it there. Or carry a, a note in your pocket and remind yourself. Whatever it is that we can do to keep the Word of God before us constantly so that we can keep it and allow it to bear fruit and grow up. To be a, a plant that has all the fruits of the Christian hanging off of it, friends. And so that means we have to order our lives in such a way in which we can keep the Word of God with us. And with that, some of us, we, we might need to change our jobs, change our course of study. I mean, I, I don't know any course of study that's really wicked that causes you to forget the Word of God. Maybe there is, I don't know. Maybe some of you are so consumed by your studies that you need a break from this that you can break away to just come and spend time with Jesus. Jobs. There are jobs that make us forget the Word of God, friends. There is. There are some jobs that, as Christians, we, we should never work in. 
you know, those those ones where you're creating computer games to kill people and harm people and hurt people, or just computer games in general, makes us forget the Word of God. There are things that we, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't be working in bars and hearing all this bad, loud rock music that causes us to forget about the Word of God. The Word of God can't remain. Friends, it's not just remaining, but it's consistent time in devotion. Some of you are, are, are working jobs that are high paying, but they're very demanding, and it just squeezes the Word of God out. The devil doesn't have to get you to do anything bad. All he has to do is make sure you don't have time for the Word of God, and eventually you will do something bad. Do you see that? We've got to be so careful. We've got to be so careful. Which ground are you today, friends? Which ground? Have you been spending time in the Word of God consistently throughout this past week? Are you growing in faith? Is what you are doing in, in terms of spending time at church and even listening to, to messages like this, is it benefiting you throughout the week? It's not enough to just say, okay, I've kept the Sabbath. Okay, I listened to a message. But friends, do you take Jesus with you into the new week? Is He with you every day? Do you ensure that He's with you by spending time in His Word and praying consistently day and night? Are you that good ground which holds on to the Word of God for dear life to allow nothing to get in the way between you and your Saviour? This evening, friends, I'm not asking you to live a certain way except to start making priority for the Word of God throughout the week, to make sure that you hold on to the Word of God. And if that is just simply writing down all the Bible texts that you hear from a sermon and reviewing them every day to make sure you keep it in your mind, to make sure you remember it, to make sure that you can meditate on it. You can't meditate on something you don't remember, right? A person meditates on, on a piece of clothing because they remember what it looked like. They remember um, how, how, how the colors were, how, how the cut was. You know, guys, they, they, they meditate on, on what? On their, 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 their gadgets and all of these things. And they're thinking about it constantly because they heard reviews about it. And they're, they're looking at it. They're seeing how nice it is. And we meditate on things that we remember. And in order for us to meditate on the Word of God, we've got to keep it. In here, we got to remember the words of the Bible to allow Jesus to write his law in our hearts and our minds. Friends, we got to come back to the word. There really is only two grounds three bad ones, the bad grounds, and only one good ground. And the differentiating factor is not because they all, I mean, they all heard the word of God. It wasn't just that but it's our interaction beyond just listening to a sermon. That's the beginning. What, what you're experiencing here this evening is the beginning of your faith experience, not the end, the beginning. You've got to grow roots. You've got to grow above all the, the thorns and the weeds. And then eventually you've got to produce fruit. And how is this all achieved? We've got to hold on to the Word of God. Friends, this evening, I want to appeal to each and every one of you. We've got to come back to the Word. It's not enough just 
to go to church. We got to have a personal relationship with God and His Word, Jesus Christ, this evening. What better time than the Sabbath to be able to renew this covenant? Tomorrow, we'll be studying the Word of God again. But I pray that before you open the the phone or the computer, that you have had personal time with Jesus. And may we start this evening. If you have not opened up the Bible in a long time to read for yourself, you can do it now. I know that God will speak to you. The reason why His thoughts are not our thoughts is because we're not walking with Him. The reason why His ways are not our ways is not, oh, it's not always going to be always if we have the life of Jesus implanted in our souls, if we have His Word guiding us. And that's what it's got to be this evening, friends. May God put His Word in our hearts and may we do all that we can to keep it there as well. Let's pray, shall we? Father in heaven, Lord, I want to thank you for your word. Your word is powerful. It can transform the darkest and deepest of sinners. Lord, it can change every one of us. Only help us to hold on to it. Help us not to let go. Help us, O Lord, to have a deeper experience in the word of God. Help us, O Lord, to see the importance of spending time with you. May you please lead us, O Lord. Guide each of my brothers and sisters. You know the challenges that we face. You know the temptations that we face. You know the type of relationship that we have with you this evening. And Lord, help us to see that you're just waiting. You're waiting for us to give you a chance, to open the door, to let you come in, to sup with us, to have a personal, intimate experience with each and every one of us. Oh Lord, please, help us. Help us to put aside the distractions of this life and this world today, that we can have this blessed experience with you. Guide us to that end, O Lord. Strengthen us for every good work. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.